Hi, this is Tamsin Granger. This is Dan Abuha. With Tamsin and Dan, read the paper. It's uh, Monday, November, November 2nd. 2nd. November 2nd. Um, we're on a slight delay because we're still getting over a wild and wonderful Pepper's first Halloween. Not that we shared it with Pepper, right? Yeah, well, it's Pepper's first Halloween. Leave it but at we that. were just so excited for her across the mile that... Uh, it uh, consumed all our energy. Yes. Right, Zeke? Zeke's on. Yeah. Zeke's joining us. Zeke, who sent us many pictures of Pepper celebrating Hello. her first Halloween. Yeah, I was with uh, the aforementioned Pepper. Um, I learned that for babies, Halloween is about wrestling a baby into a costume. And that's kind of the activity. Or, so, or wrestling the baby fun. into several costumes. That's true. We tried a couple different costumes uh, to varying degrees of satisfaction. To the baby, um, but it all worked out. All right. Well, she'll remember that for the rest of her life. Yes. Don't you worry yes. about it. Oh, for sure. Thank yeah, for goodness sure. that you did that for yes. her. That, that remember reminds me of when we went to Disney World with you guys, and uh, one of the uh, hostesses who was showing one of the rides said, "Does anybody have a child under three? And uh, ten people raised their hand, and, and she said, "Oh, that baby will remember just the rest of her life." Said, no, I'll take your word for it. Yes, <laughs> I guess you'll have to. Yeah, we did go to Disney World. And we did a lot of great things that you won't, don't remember. Just too young. Anyway, it's actually been a stormy weekend, and we actually had technical difficulties mm. due to lack of power. Powers down. Powers down throughout the and, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Uh, I know area. we're not alone uh, in this for the uh, East Coast. Yeah. So Imagine if that happened on election day. People would freak out. So hopefully the... the um, wind will die down. I, I'm assuming you voted, Zeke. I did. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. We're, we're going to get out the vote on this uh, recording. Maybe uh, maybe people listen to it on November 4th and we tell them, you got to vote. Yeah, it's important. Not. And we're not prying, Zeke. You can, uh, you know, vote whatever young people vote for. I don't, God vote only knows. or don't vote. Vote. <laughs> was, uh, was it a hassle? Did it take you a long uh, time? Mine was not a hassle. They mailed me a ballot and I filled it out and I dropped it off at the same place that I voted for the past couple of years. Right, Easy cool. peasy. Yeah, we had an easy time also. Yeah, we dropped it in. We got mail-in ballots that we dropped in super special box. Right. God only knows. At the police station. God only knows where those ballots are now. But uh, we have relatives who actually had to wait online for four hours. Four hours. Yikes. So they say. Yeah, it's not so good. The, um, you know what's neat that I, I saw they have this year is that you can go to a website to see uh, where your, if your ballot got counted. Really? That's a thing. Yeah. Sad, sad, sad. We'll try that after the podcast. It's a good is way over. to That's... check and just you know feel better about dropping your ballot off somewhere. Something to look forward to. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of the is election. that a real thing or is it just some no. like robot that's set up to say yeah 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 yours was counted <laughs> yeah I mean that's the that's the spooky thing right <laughs> there's like, no way of you say it's, it's counted but is it's it counted. but is it yeah. Uh, yeah supposedly mine got in there supposedly mine is uh, you know all right. All right. So speaking of the election, we don't really do election type stuff. But this uh, is our political episode, right? This is where we well, get into the nitty gritty. This is political as we're getting. The Times had an article called Can You Tell a Trump Fridge from a Biden Fridge? And the premise of this was that the Times uh, sought to determine whether by looking in people's refrigerator, you could tell that they were a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter, as if their selection of food would give them away. 
and they have, uh, as you'd expect in uh, an article based on all this kind of evidence, pictures of various refrigerators uh, and the assortment of goods in there. And they discuss whether, in fact, there are uh, tells in the refrigerator. Uh, which, and this struck me as totally uh, bizarre. Oh, no, I don't think that's true. That you would think that you could tell. Do you think you should be able to tell? Them? Uh, um not necessarily, but I think people make all kinds of judgments when you're walking down the street, what a Trump person looks like, what a Biden person looks right. like. So, And, you know, the, I think there are assumptions about who Biden people are and what they eat. Well, 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 but, yeah, I agree that people make those assumptions, but the question is, are those valid assumptions? Well, that's, that's what this survey was right. aiming to uh, yeah, Zeke, figure did, out. Did you read the article, Zeke? I did. And and what did and they I tried determine? doing? I tried doing the little quiz that came with it too, and I didn't do that well. I only got like four out of ten correct in in the. Well, don't I did. feel bad, Zeke, because it turns out that you can't tell. You, you can't, can't tell. tell. The Times, uh, in the, the small print at the bottom, and you really had to read the small print. It turns out that when the readers weighed in on this, and there were eight point eight million guesses, they describe it based on photos of refrigerators that were distributed, uh, there was no significant difference in terms of being able to determine whether correctly, whether it was Biden or a Trump fridge. In other words, it was pretty much close to 50-50. No one knows. You cannot tell from looking at the refrigerator. In other results. words, you could just flip a coin. You could flip a coin. You could do just result. as well. Yeah. But what were the kind of things that people thought were, you know, well, for Trump or Biden giveaways? Uh, you know, uh, I, most incorrect details. Here are areas that people thought were clues when they incorrectly guessed. And uh, they don't really give much detail here. Well, but, it's hard to tell from the pictures. Yes. But, but um, Coca-Cola, for example. Coca-Cola. So they assumed that if uh, the fridge had a lot of Coca-Cola. It was Trump. It they was were wrong. Trump. And, and they, they assumed if it had yogurt, it was Biden, and they were wrong. The, the only details, people were just wrong all the time about this. The only details that seem to hold up, and it's extremely thin, is that if you see a Grey Poupon uh, mustard, it's a Biden refrigerator. Okay. And if you see uh, Ken's salad dressing, uh, a product with which I'm totally not familiar, it's a Trump refrigerator. And that's as far as they're willing to go. So, uh, see, I was I was delighted that they brought in uh, some expertise here from the one and only Justin McElroy, a, a a very successful podcaster who I'm sure we all adore. Uh, they had him comment on a couple of these things. He noted that he feels that that pricey yogurt has to be a Biden thing, but I'm not sure that was actually borne out by the data. So no, I don't think he did any better not. than anyone else. Yeah. So I, I never heard of Justin McElroy, so I kind of skipped over that. Uh, but I did think it was funny that he said, and, and this person keeps peanut butter in the refrigerator and should not be allowed to vote under any circumstances. Uh, peanut yeah. butter refrigerator is not so horrible. I mean, there are worse well, things you can find refrigerator There's no flavor oh, really. to peanut butter. I don't know if you should, you should say that on uh, recording. I feel like you well, could lose but your here, vote. But here's my real question, though. I mean, so obviously, I mean, this suggests that... You know, this has taken so far and it's time to get this election behind us because we're looking at people's refrigerators, try to figure it out. God knows where it's going to stop. No, it's not, it's not that, Daniel. What? They're examining sort of our stereotype uh, views of All right, well, let me who go with Trump that. supporters and are and who Biden supporters are. And taking that and making a serious point of it, it turns out, arguably, we all are reading the same stuff. We're all made of the same stuff, stuff same thing. We all have the same refrigerators. So how different can people actually be? 
Does yeah. it suggest that, in fact, well, the differences we, are exaggerated? Well, we mostly have the same refrigerators. Uh, yeah. As they note also in the article, some of those refrigerators are a little on the empty side. Right. And it uh, turns out that's because about 12% of the respondents couldn't get enough food for their family because uh, it's the richest country in the world and we just have hungry people. So, you know, food for thought. I don't think we all have the same refrigerators, Daniel. Well, no one's that's not the point. The I'm... point is yeah. it doesn't tell you how people are voting. It doesn't necessarily tell you what people eat. Well, no, it doesn't. You can't doesn't... distinguish between people based on what's in their refrigerators. Or what clothes you're wearing or right. what car you drive. I agree. Okay. I agree. We make these generalizations uh, to, I guess, amuse ourselves or soothe ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, they're incorrect mm half -hmm. the time. Okay, okay, can we move on? Yes, let's move on. All right. So, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, there's a video game article, Zeke. Video gaming. There sure is. Yes. Uh, well, Daniel, I don't even know why you pulled this. I it's know why I pulled it. Video games are having a moment. No, no, no. How I big can, a surprise is that? Why. People are locked in their houses and they're playing video games? Yeah, I can tell you why. why. I can tell you why. Uh, because to me, video games are like for kids or for people who have like short attention span. Who are just so sitting you're, there. You're really learning nothing from the refrigerator <laughs> story, <laughs> are you? It's had to do with the refrigerator. You're making Sorry. these blanket assumptions. I mean, it's the kind of thing, it's a mind-numbing, mindless thing you do uh, if you don't have the energy to read. Oh, Mr. You know. Provocateur. <laughs> Are you saying things right. just to get a certain no. young man's dander up? No, I don't think so. First of all, you know what I think is interesting? What? Articles in the business section. Yeah. Well, so it's all about whether you should invest in these videos. That's all it's about. Okay. That's all the, the journal cares about. But see... You know, that's where I come at it. And I think you know that's the way I think about it. And you would probably disagree to some degree. And that's fine, too. But uh, what was interesting to me about this article was, particularly because it developed this over the last six months and the pandemic, they say that more and more people are playing video games and they celebrate the idea of playing video games. They don't see it as a negative. They see it as a potential positive because it's a chance for people to interact safely. And in a sense, it contributes to the community. They talk about people now encouraging their children to play video games because whereas before, uh, you know, kids got together on maybe outside in a ball field or in a playground, now they can't. Uh, and video games are something that's uh, something you interact over. And they say even in the future, they see even more potential for that. People react, you know, being able to interact with their friends and even with strangers and widen their circle. Uh, now, does that res resonate with you, Zeke, or not? All right. So, uh, it almost goes without saying, but obviously your earlier statements about video games are ignorant and foolish. Yes. <laughs> but uh, this article is kind of fun for me because it is it, it is like uh, an article that I, I was worried for a moment might have disappeared, might have gone out of fashion, might have been uh, too ridiculous to print anymore, which is, video games, they're a thing. And uh, your buddy, your friend and mine, Justin McElroy, uh, actually, he is uh, one of the podcasts that he does is called The Besties. It's a podcast I enjoy in which uh, him, some some buddies of his talk about video games, uh, both like the, the business and the um, the art of it. And uh, for a long time, he would introduce most episodes 
by saying uh, video this this week we're talking about video games they're not just pac-man anymore and this was his uh little cutesy intro that he did for years this, this he started doing this intro several years ago and the reason he started doing it is because it was supposed to sound like the kind of ridiculous uninformed out of touch uh comment that like a newscaster would say in, in a really terrible uh, piece on video games in which someone has not thought about the subject for uh, 40 plus years and is coming in with no information whatsoever i would say this is one of those pieces whoever <laughs> wrote this has come to it with no experience and almost as little research uh, so they're just kind of, over the course of the article, meandering around various events that have happened and various trends over the past year or so in the world of video games, just saying, oh, people are playing online with each other. How about that? You know, people are playing on their phones now. You have a phone, right? People can play video games on that. It's total nothing. But uh, it's it's the if there's anything interesting in here, it might just be that, like, uh, I don't know, that that. Uh, there is a bit of a, a change in, based on um, the pandemic that people are playing games at home. And I guess to me, one small uh, you know positive thing about that is I think pe- some people are forced to admit that video games are not the devil for their children. Uh, that for years we've had lots of hand wringing about screen time and children getting addicted to video games and how dangerous it is. And once these parents have actually been pushed to consider whether their child should play video games or, I don't know, talk to their parents, uh, it seems that people admit, look, I want them to socialize with each other. I want them to tell these ridiculous ideas and thoughts of theirs to each other. I can't deal with my children every minute of the day. And so, yes, it turns out it's not so bad for your kids to play video games. Well, see, let me ask one question before we go on. Uh, the article doesn't really prove it's not so no, bad. No, it doesn't prove. It mainly points out that uh, sales are going through but the But it also says parents, it, it gives you anecdotal evidence that parents are more comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and my yeah, question I mean, it doesn't is have it, to prove that video games are, are not bad it. for kids because it doesn't have to prove that like movies are not bad for well, kids we're or get that to books are not bad in, for kids. It's kind second, of a silly the, thing to consider. But Zeke, let me ask you this. Do you regard video games as social at all? Because clearly that was a theme of this article. The video games should be regarded as somewhat more social than they have. I mean, there are a lot of different games out there. Tons of them are social. Tons of them have been social for a long time. One of the examples I cite in the article of someone being social over video games is a, a game, uh, I believe, called World of Warcraft. Mm, I, heard uh, that. I guess, you know, there, this, whoever wrote this article is like, apparently there's a World of Warcraft game. This game is like 20 years old. Yeah. This game is super old and has been, right. has had millions of players All for right. that time. All right. You're, millions can, of so, players. So are we, like, are we learning the idea something? That, it's, that we just noticed something social going on is pretty silly. All right. All <laughs> it's right. really but, showing up pretty late to the party to say, wait a minute, people and, are and actually yes. hanging out here. People yeah, have gotten this... married on World of Warcraft, and they started doing that more than a decade ago. I don't even know what that means, this is... but I don't know if I want to explore that. I mean, people met in the game, they became close together, they got married in real life, and they had a ceremony in the game. And this happened, again, more than a decade ago. It's an old, old meme by now. So this isn't right. just behind the curve, this is like meme? behind yes. a few curves. Yeah. That's the first time we've used me. All right, Zeke. But, you, but you, I mean, it, it's not 
It's not uh, breaking news. No, it's not. That this is the demographic. That this this the tenor of this article reflects the demographic of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, this is right. not sure. The Wall Street Journal. I guess if there's one not. thing that I'd be a little bit concerned with this article is that, judging from the lack of understanding coming from the author and the the kind of uh, assumed lack of understanding from the audience. Uh, it sounds like you actually shouldn't invest in games because you have no idea what they are. All right, like if you right. read this article and say, "My goodness, they're a big business," maybe take it slow and you know ask your nephew about what companies to buy stock from. All right. Well, you've um, blown this article up, Zeke. There's no question. So we're gonna. Then <laughs> there was an article. I'm not even sure if you saw this, Zeke. So maybe Tams and I can have a quiet, uh, thoughtful conversation about the idea. This couple was written up in the Times. Who operated a movie theater in Hilton Head. Uh, in the Carolinas, and uh, what they're in bad shape, they uh, are struggling, they'll probably have to close down. Well, I am obsessed by with you know worrying about all these small businesses mm -hmm. that uh, may really uh, close, maybe over, well, maybe done. Yeah, uh, both, think... both in terms of individual businesses, but in terms of you know types of businesses, types right. of entertainment but we're, here, we're not ever going to see here's again. the thing about this article so this article is a couple they one was 10 in, years ago a couple in about their 50s bought a small uh, theater movie theater right okay and they bought it because the previous owner said this is a business that runs itself and it doesn't and it doesn't it runs itself okay. into the ground well the first thing is they had to put in four hundred thousand dollars in new equipment so they Digitized. Digitized. Yeah. But even so, they were doing all right. And they have a theater where you can sell wine and beer, something that you're right. familiar with, Brooklyn Z. But, uh, but here's the other thing they did. Yeah. Okay. They had 650 seats yeah. in the theater. They scrapped all those seats oh, that's right. yeah. and replaced them with 250 uh, large, wide recliners. Which helped business. Which helped business. Yeah. Increased their revenues. Right. Because of the better, you know, experience. So, so they, but they did shell out money, and now the pandemic hits, and they're stopped. Oh, they, they tried various things, and none of those things worked, including private parties, all, all kinds of stuff. They were excited a couple of weeks ago because they had a rainy day, and 72 people showed up. And they thought, all right, things are coming back. Yeah. Next day, 22 people. Yeah, not working. And that's he, been downhill. And, you know... Small theaters have been going out of business for yeah. years. Right. Okay. In fact, this article in the New York Times says there's only 602 small theaters. Independent movie theaters. Independent movie theaters. Yeah. In, in the, the country. United States. In the country. Does that seem possible, Zeke? That's, I don't know. It seems possible. It is sad. but It is it tiny. Well, here's, here's my question, all right? Because I think you have to separate this, this economic question into two components. One is, I can understand that this couple is going to go out of business because they have an ongoing lease obligation and they're not going to be able to meet that lease obligation. The only way to avoid it is to have the business, the business declare bankruptcy and that sort of thing. Uh, and maybe there'll be a mortgage foreclosure. But on the other side of the pandemic, the question is this. Will people pick up new business and lease new properties on new terms to have movie, uh, you know, unaffected 
by having to run a theater during the pandemic. I don't know. Will I, this be a viable economic proposition yeah, or are people, people going to stay home? People don't want to go to the movies. Well, that's the movie theaters are having a problem. Well, that was, I think it was trending that way before, but certainly not the way it is now, but it's a fair question. And what runs against it is the home entertainment system. And what also runs against it, those those darn video games. People are spending all their time on video games. That article said, by the way, people are spending like 15 hours a week on video. Sounds to me like a lot, but you're going to tell me it's not. Zeke, you and Noel still enjoy going out to the movies? I mean, if you could, if you didn't have a little bit. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we don't enjoy it currently. Right, uh, right. I would love to. As of recent as last year, it was like, you know, a highlight of my week if I got to go to the movies. I I, I think it's, it didn't stop being fun at any point. I don't know. It's a perfectly nice experience. You go there, you get some snacks, you see a TV that's much bigger than yours, and you get to hear some, like, dope in another row have a weird reaction to something that happens in the film. Like, I don't know. The yeah. only thing that was that was going wrong with movies in my mind was that people had their phones on. That was yeah. the one thing that had gotten worse about going to the movies. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah. The movie experience, I don't know. I don't like. I don't know what to do with uh, Americans not wanting to go to the movies because I just think it's well, very entertaining. They just say the snacks why... are better at home and they don't well, have to put on pants. Yeah. yeah well, people just, I don't know. I don't think it's nearly the same sort of experience. Like, well, I, even, I, like I know a lot of people will even just like watch it on watch movies on their laptops that you know came out years ago, and like that's good enough for them. And I just, I feel like I'm on a different planet from those people. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Zeke. I mean, I think your your alertness, your attentiveness in a movie theater is much different as a result of it. Much different. Plus, I enjoy that communal experience. Yes. There's something about laughing together with a bunch of people at something funny or crying together. There, you know, even if you don't know the people, even if you don't even discuss your reaction with anybody, it's that communal emotional experience. Yeah, and it's just different being sealed off uh, in that theater and, and not having any distractions at all uh, makes it a markedly different experience. I felt but, especially bad for this couple because in the article they describe the various things that they've done to improve the theater, like all those investments they made that you mentioned earlier, but also the little things that they've tried to do to improve it, like adding uh some of their own like home recipes to the snacks that are served well, yeah the um, flatbreads they... the pizzas well, well, you know yeah and they cater to the different seasonal audiences in terms of what movies they have having like uh, big blockbusters available when there are more tourists in town and then going for smaller releases uh for the longtime residents and that to me all sounds like the kind of thing like i just wish i had of you know i'm saying like oh that's a that's a theater that's trying you know yeah. even out of independent theaters i i know some that like you know they basically let their sound system fall apart and yeah. they uh well, they, hard, they hardly nice seem to, to update anything yeah. but uh it, it's it seems like a shame that these folks who as far as we can tell from the article have put a lot of effort and and money into this thing are just going to get eaten up like everything else that uh like all these other small businesses during the pandemic well speaking yeah. of of making snacks in the movie theaters one of the uh popular snacks now in movie theaters is nachos uh, and there was an article about the origin of nachos. The history of nachos. The history of nachos. And they started by a reference to those machines that you see in ballparks and movie theaters where you have the liquid cheese uh, pouring down over the uh, corn chips. And uh, they didn't say those aren't nachos. It sounded like they're still considered, quote, nachos. But the, the history is oh, something a little better. Oh, you're such a purist. Yeah. Well, I, I, Do you even eat nachos? No, not really. <laughs> I don't. But right. uh, it is a different experience with those nachos. I, I will second that in the sense that, like, those are 
those are that's a type of food like the the ballpark nachos basically that right. i did not grow up eating so much right. and i know people who did grow up eating it and they're super like sentimental for it and i i just think like oh this is kind of fun it's like a weird greasy sort of you know ballpark or, or movie food but i'm not as into it well, and i feel like uh you know kind of homemade nachos and restaurant nachos are different things well okay, are... but let's tell people what the history well, of the you nacho guys know more is. about nachos tonight i'm not okay a big nacho well fan. the nacho was invented uh in uh, a um actually a golf club or something the victory club no, what's it? piedras, piedras, piedras Mexico. Ne Negros. it's yeah. a border city so some uh, wives of um, um, some military wives came over from Texas into Mexico yeah. to do some shopping. Right. And they stopped at the Victory Club. It was kind of between hours. Right. right? And there was they wanted a drink and a snack. And the major d Ignacio Anaya. Um, was the only guy there right he didn't have any any staff in the kitchen so ignacio whose nickname is nacho that's a nacho nacho okay. nacho yeah um just grabbed some chips some cheese some pickled jalapenos threw it in the oven and these were a big hit yeah. and people kept coming back asking for nachos special mm -hmm. okay and he opened his own restaurant and eventually he did open cool. his own nachos. Restaurant. right and uh one of the things I think is funny about this is the cheese that was used. Colby cheese. Colby cheddar. Which is okay? like New England Not cheese. Not a traditional Mexican no, cheese. No, American okay? cheese. But it was provided, they've called it queso relief. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it, it yeah. was after the World War II right. and during World War II, actually, it was part of a relief program, you know, giving away uh, cheese. Colby cheese. People would trade for it. People would, you know, in Mexico, uh, work to get this cheese and it was used in the nachos, all right? So actually that's a very tasty combination. A little bit of cheddar, pickled jalapenos, and- uh, Well, to the extent there's such a thing- That's pretty much the recipe that Noel and I used the other day when we made nachos. Oh, really? We, uh, we also like to include uh, pepper jack. We like to do cheddar and pepper jack, and we had some pickled jalapenos, and that was it. And that was, that was dinner. Right. So um, we did that, but then we also, uh, I did one tray where I added in some leftover chili, like sprinkled some chili, yeah. um, beef chili on top, and uh, pickled jalapenos and cheddar. Night. Yeah, and then I also had uh, a little bit of um, leftover steak, and I cut up the bits of steak. So you have to them on. See, you will so, understand. You know, so, so, so anyway, so this is sort yeah. of traditional, and it's in the tradition of the original nacho. Right. Okay. But it was in the 70s that uh, another guy actually uh, invents the emulsified liquid cheese. Right. The cheese that stays before. liquid right. at all times yeah. um, so that you can make these nachos uh, to serve as quickly as possible. Those get introduced in the 70s. They make their big breakthrough at a Dallas football game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, you know, many people to a Dallas football game at that time was ninety thousand. So, uh, not the they same. They could put now. away those nachos. Well, right? you need to have liquid cheese if you're going to feed ninety thousand people. But that's the story. It's an interesting kind of uh, border city situation. Yes. Uh, well, well you you'll appreciate this. So Saturday night we built a bonfire, uh, or your mom built a bonfire. We sat around it and ate nachos and drank beer. How's that? 
Sounds uh, nice. And, and we, then we roasted weenies. Yes, and we almost stayed warm. We were this close to staying warm. <laughs> it was yeah, freezing. See, I'm, my takeaway from this history, though, is that uh, I should really bring this up the next time I go to a place where the kitchen has closed. If you find yourself at some business where they say, oh, the kitchen's closed, the cook's gone home, we couldn't possibly serve you anything, I say to them, that wasn't Ignacio's attitude. Yeah, no, right? no, no. He didn't give up so easily. Right. Now, do you right. want to be forgotten by history or do you want to invent the nacho? That's yeah, what I'm yeah. going to say to do this you want to be, person, I think to the be phrase you're looking customer. for is you want to be on the right side of history. That's what you want. Exactly. There, there you go. Uh, you've got cheese. You've got chips. Come well, on. Colby cheese. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next article was one that uh, you and Zeke quickly dove into. It was not my uh, oeuvre uh, on bones. Oeuvre? Oeuvre. Yeah, I was hoping to hear that that one again. We just... <laughs> Take a few really? laps of that I'm word. For, I'm, I'm setting up the next yeah, one. Yeah, think about that word and yeah. uh, come back with a better one next time. Um, anyway, this is a review of a book called Bones, Inside and Out by Roy A. Meals, M-E-A-L-S. And uh, he's obsessed, okay? Um, he actually... Um, Paul's Bones is it uh, actually here's what it says in the Wall Street Journal his new book Bones Inside and Out is a valentine to what Dr. Meals called the world's best building material okay bone is a dynamic living organ composed of long coils of a protein called collagen blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. living organ you know didn't really think about that so anyway the article itself has as Zika and I discussed a bunch of fun facts about bones. Okay. Um, shall I give you some of my favorites? Please. Well, some of the things we already know. Okay. Bones need vitamin C. Okay? Without it, uh, scurvy develops and hair, gum, skin, muscles, bones, everything starts to come apart. You also need vitamin D, which gives strength to the bones. But one of the cool things about bones is they don't just hold up your body. They actually, you know, um, regulate calcium to some extent. I don't know if regulate is really the word. The, um, the article describes uh, uh, bone as a calcium banker. Your, in order for your heart to work properly, uh, it needs calcium. All right. To, uh, what does it say here? To contract. It works poorly if it has too much calcium or too little. And what your bones actually serve as a mineral reservoir, keeping calcium levels steady so that the cardiac muscle can pump merrily away. And, and your bones actually have uh, blood vessels in them, but they're teeny, teeny, tiny. Okay. Okay. Because if they were too big, you know, your bones could they're get too big. Uh, you'd have big old holes in your bones. Okay. You don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want holes in your bones. So then the um, article goes on and uh, talks about all, all the developments, learning to fix uh, broken bones, etc. Learning um, not just setting bones, but, uh, you know, creating the cast, etc. The, the cast itself was invented in the mid-19th century by a Dutch army surgeon. Yeah, there's some pretty wacky anecdotes in here. Uh, 
I enjoyed the description of Van Ness rotation plasty. Uh, yes. Which I don't try to understand every you. step of that, but it's it's it's, it's something about taking a, a a knee joint that is suffering from I guess cancerous growth and removing it from the body. Now you're saying, how am I going to get around without knees? Well, you don't need your ankles, do you? Because we'll take the ankles, put them where the knees were, take off the feet, spin the legs around, and there you go. No, but here's <laughs> now, what how I... on earth that works no. to, to anyone's benefit. I have no idea. But the idea, but it is amazing that that is a procedure that people get. It is it is a way to treat a particular uh, form of cancer, which is uh, pretty amazing. Here's the problem. Here's the part I don't understand, Zeke. Okay, the ankle becomes the new knee. The now backwards foot can be mm -hmm. inserted into a prosthetic lower leg. Sure. It sounds like the foot is still attached. Could be. So that is right. The, That's pretty The whole weird. thing, the description to me sounds like, you know, someone is like taking apart their Legos and putting them back together in a different way. Like I have I have no idea how it's supposed to work as a human body, but it's just you know, if it does work for people, that's great. Uh, I'm all for it. The idea, if you're going to have, is it a foot with no bones in it? I don't know. I don't know. Is it a foot with, with bones but no ankle joint? Because that's now the knee. I don't know why it has to be flipped around backwards. That's also baffling to me. All right. But, well, anyway. You know, good. Good that it, we have it. it another, like another, yeah. If you're interested I, in that kind of stuff, it seems like uh, kind of a fun book. And there's also a discussion of burial etc. and how that has gone in and out of fashion with various uh, cultures and religions and uh, and then it ends up talking about just how valuable animal bones and human bones animal bones can be you know for day-to-day -day life in certain cultures you know, yeah it turns out very, uh, if you if you strong. have a sky burial which involves depositing the body on the top of a high mountain so that it can be uh, picked apart by carrion birds, you can apparently retrieve the bones later and build, make them into instruments. Uh, right. That is something that uh, some people would do in Tibet, and that's fun. Bones um, also provide they're... shelter. Whale bones yeah. made frames for sealskin tents, and this this is in the Inuit culture, I think. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Jaws made frames for their seal skull tents and penis bones from walruses acted as tent stakes. That's right, penis bones. Huh? Apparently, yeah. some yeah. mammals have penis bones. Yeah. Right? Oh, plenty plenty of mammals. That. That's apparently, it's called, apparently it's called the baculum. I looked this up. The baculum is the penis bone, exists in many animals, such I think as everybody gorillas knows that, and chimpanzees. Everybody knows uh, the plural of baculum, of course, being bacula, like everyone's favorite actor, Scott Bakula. That's a bit of trivia for you. Scott Bakula's <laughs> name means several penis bones. Um, <laughs> but um, I, and, and, the, and the, the article notes that the penis bone varies from rod-like to fantastic, or downright alarming, as in the case of the ground squirrel. Well, you can get a pill for that. I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking, I'm thinking differently about ground squirrels now. Yeah, I, it's also kind of haunting that they don't tell you what's going on with the ground squirrel in this article. They just tantalize you that something about the ground squirrel's baculum uh, is to be feared, and uh, you just have to look that up yourself. I didn't get all the details, but I did see the word, uh, the phrase four pronged when I looked up ground squirrel penis bone. 
Uh, I'm also looking forward to whatever uh, ads that gets associated with me on Google's service. <laughs> um, another anyway, highlight from the article so for for it, me though was uh, there's also a procedure to lengthen uh, limbs that mm-hmm. was developed by a Russian doctor where uh, pins are inserted into uh, a bone and gradually their position is gradually adjusted over time right. and the bone adapts to become longer. Uh, before, I only knew this as something that may or may not be a real procedure that appeared in the film uh, Gattaca, but apparently it's a thing. Yes. You can apparently. you can get your legs lengthened if you so desire. So, so if we've whetted your appetite for the history yeah. of bones, Bones Inside and Out by Roy Meals. Okay. All right. Uh, so there was also an article uh, called The Trouble with words we've read but not heard. And what the trouble is, of course, sometimes read a word that uh, the meaning is clear in the context you read it, but when it comes time to use that word in conversation, you find that you're mispronouncing it because you haven't heard the word spoken out. And uh, you were telling me, Tabs, that this happened to you every once in a while. Oh, it happens happens to me constantly. But this is an article by somebody named Casey Kep, I guess. And uh, for her... One of her problem words was epitome, yeah. which looks like when you read it, epitome. 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 Okay. But. And uh, she cites other examples. Susan Sontag, uh, the critic and writer, um, thought Proust was pronounced Proust. Well, proper name. I, okay. I, I, don't, I don't see that as a problem. Um, and she notes going awry. Uh, awry. People may think. Rhymes with Bowery. Yeah. Bowery. Bowery yeah. um, all right. Well, I can give you two that uh, it is in the course of this podcast has got me thinking. One is you guys made fun of me for Uruv. I don't know how to pronounce Uruv. It's a, it's a foreign word. No, no, no. It's not the no, no, no. It's, uh, it's not that so much. Well, uh, you, you shouldn't know. How, I w- you were just using it incorrectly. Oh, but here, 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 I don't think you I feel like there's no good way to pronounce that, honestly. Yeah. It's a yeah. French word that just sounds pretty French, and it, it's not how like English words are usually right, shaped. But here, here's another so word, it's, though. It's, that I, it's, no, it's I just always, an easy way to tease you. Yes, but there, there's a word that you used before that I would never use. I'm never sure of the pronunciation, and that's meme. So I've always yes. thought that's mem or meme, or I don't know, but in my circles... See, that's that's your that's your French thinking coming out again. Of course, in French, it would be mem, because it would right. be their word for same. Uh, but in English parlance in the past few years, it's been pretty consistently pronounced as meme. Well, when you say consistently pronounced, I would say in my circles, no one uses the word meme. No one. You know, okay, you just... Uh... I'm being honest. <laughs> all right, all right. But, um, so also, it's not pronunciation, it's pronunciation. Oh, there you go. Oh. Now, now you cut me to the core. Uh, but but um, Pro- and, the pronunciation. I was astonished the first time you see, you know, the name Samuel Peeps. But right? that's a name. Because it's it looks like name. Pepys. Yeah, all right. that's a name. But it's, it's not a problem if you're, you know, in eighth grade and you're saying for the first time. But for me, the problem has come when, you know, I would be teaching, you know, courses at the college level. Now, I teach survey courses, all right? So I teach hundreds of artists and concepts, etc. And I must admit, I didn't study every artist in college, okay? I've studied them, you know, on my own, in books or computers or whatever, and it's humiliating no, it's to mispronounce yeah, something you know, that you should 
be your expertise yeah. and say it wrong. Well, first of all, it's not your expertise because he's not an artist. Secondly, uh, what? to me, more interesting, he's a writer. Um, but more interesting is... No, 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 no. I'm not talking about peeps. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm talking about in class. I would make these faux pas all the time. No, but you, they have the word misled here. You mean and Fox I, Pass. Uh, yes, Fox Pass. Uh, they had the word misled, and I it never occurred to me that that could be a problem. But you told me, Tim, so that you, even you recall. I thought there were two words. I thought they had slightly different meanings: misled and missled. Missled, and but this and I sort of said, really? And the article says that that is a common mistake: that people don't get misled, or do get misled. So, but, uh, but I do, I do, I do have students all the time who mispronounce words, and I correct them, yeah. and I try not to do it in a mean way. And I say, you know, this is why you're here. This is why we're here. Yeah. I, I'm here to, you know, um, help you learn that stuff. But I also make fun of pronunciations because, you know, the Brits, the Brits pronounce anything the way they want to. Like Don Juan, yeah. you know, if you... Yeah, but, but you don't... But that reminds the line of My Fair Lady where, uh, where the main character, uh, Professor Higgins, says, Brits don't care what they do, actually. Uh, so long as they pronounce it properly. Correct? Right, but I was just talking about the British. Yes, I know, but the okay. British have a different view. So, Zeke, well, this you, is this you, is how you know it's a widespread problem because uh, you know an entire island of people over there uh, consistently mispronounce things. Uh, they mentioned the word in this article, lieutenant, uh, mm -hmm. which a number of people insist on calling lieutenant. Yes, I've heard um, that all the time. That's the yeah, English there's, pronunciation. Uh, the, there's also there, there are a number of the the i think the comparison with uh french is interesting because there are a number of french words that seem to be deliberately mangled by uh british english speakers you know they could easily say garage but they say garage you know garage. situations like garage. that or schedule but um what about uh worcester and worcester yeah that's also pretty silly yeah some Which some words seem to be like just a trap. They're just yeah. set up to get you. Right, right, right. And also, well, you know what's actually kind of unfortunate about this, and this comes through in the example in the article of Harper Lee, is that it's really these are traps that prey upon folks who really should be commended, which are people whose reading goes beyond what their like uh, immediate social circumstances are. Right. This is something that you're especially prone to. If your ambitions for learning go farther than what like the folks around you are usually saying, so you know you don't hear this word because you're reading a book that's really like you know interesting or far afield from your everyday experience, and now you say it out, out loud later, and you know the people at some uh, snooty dinner party uh, can scoff at you. Uh, that's too bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> You'd rather have people not afraid to be humiliated by mispronouncing things and more willing to, to you know, get out there and read stuff that's outside their experience. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. Right. She, she also implied that it's like a northern versus southern. Well, yeah, I guess. But it, it, but it goes back to people's own vulnerabilities or willingness or vulnerability to feeling that they're they did something wrong they're uh, out of their class or something yeah again I, I don't it doesn't bother me with the people who sh you know shouldn't know those things mm -hmm. but you know when i'm supposed to be an expert yeah uh, you're just hard on yourself 
Yeah. All right. So so that was the only final thing that we were thinking of talking about. We keep going back and forth. Is Sean Connery passed away. Uh, but, you know, what is there to say? Because it turns out to be it's a huge story. And it's on, uh, you know, every news report. And there are a couple of interesting things about him. But to me, the most interesting thing is that it's such a huge story. And I, and, uh, and I like Sean Connery. I mean, uh, and I like the James Bond films. And it's interesting that he could have inhabited a character for four or five films. And he was an actor besides, to be sure. But absent the, the, the Bond films, uh, he wouldn't be nearly as celebrated as he is. Uh, and that character had such an impact, such an outsized impact. Uh, with the actor melding with a character in a way that had a really, uh, you know, permanent imprint on um, American culture to some. Well, I do wonder um, how much is, I mean, he seems to have crafted this uh, personality. How much of it is him and how much of it is, what was he really like? Sean Connery? Yeah. I think was he, he was... like that? Was he debonair? Yeah. And <laughs> I think and so. Beautiful. I, and I, well, first of all, he looked the way he looked. And uh, Right, but he was he was not well educated. No, he, he wasn't. He came from, you know, very limited well, well, means. Well here's the interesting thing about that. Um he was, as they said, and, and jump in Zeke when you, when you want. I don't I don't know how much how into James Bond or all that stuff you were into, but uh um he was one of the articles pointed out that I read, he was just amazingly charming. And quite apart from however you thought he was good looking, uh, sexy, if you will, but he was just overwhelmingly charming. And that that is a skill that you can't take that for granted. And it's something you're perhaps born with. You have to be able to reject it on the screen. And of course, uh, they mentioned other folks who are like that. Cary Grant comes to mind. They mentioned David Niven also. And they said, it's not, it's no small thing. Is nothing you take for granted. And that's what made him so successful. Uh, one of the main things that made him so successful as Bond. He had the physicality, but he also had this incredibly charm that went with it. And that had to be natural. It had to come from his natural level of self-confidence. Yeah, but he had a certain cosmopolitan air, yeah. sophisticated, cultured air yeah. that, uh, that was the character. he cultivated. Yes, that was the he character. Developed. That was the character, to be sure. And I certainly saw him in other parts where he wasn't very much like that at all. Uh, maybe that's called acting. But in any event, it was a perfect marriage of uh, of actor and character and uh, left an indelible imprint to me. I mean, I've read the several Ian Fleming books and you you read them and you, you immediately have the image of uh, Sean Connery as you uh, read the books themselves. And if anything, uh, he's more effective than the uh, character that's uh, depicted in the words of Ian Fleming. Well, it's hard to imagine any character who's appeared uh, in film who is, I guess, so much associated with the actor and defined by that actor's performance over the course of multiple films. You know, like the, the number of cases like that, I think, is a pretty short list where a character uh, was really, I think, you know, made uh, like memorable and made iconic by that performance um, and that you really people really learn to associate those two things so closely over the course of multiple films. Um, so it's a really unique legacy in that way. Yeah, you know, that's interesting, Zeke. I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely correct. I Sitting here right now, I can't think of another actor and character uh, so prominent uh, and so closely associated. I mean, you need to have a series of films. You can't fit on a single film. It's not going to have the same effect. But even so, there's certainly the opportunity for that, especially with all the series that you have today. But, uh, you know, 
you just think of like Gandolfini and the Sopranos or that sort of thing. Um, that's something that's worth thinking about. Uh, clearly in what I'll call traditional movies, uh, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head that could. Yeah. And also with the Bond it. franchise that it's, uh, I, for my money, the, the like franchise like didn't really get out from under that shadow until uh, the Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, Bond yeah. Role. Yeah. Like there are other people, they did other people, I think had, maybe interesting performances in their own right, but were generally viewed to be like, okay, this is underwhelming compared to Sean Connery in this regard or in that regard. This is an interesting take. Of course, it's not really good, good James Bond, but it's, you know, fun or something like that. There are always caveats uh, for so many years following his performances. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, also he was the voice of the dragon in Dragonheart. uh, They do mention that. That's one of the jobs he got pretty shortly after he stopped doing the uh, James Bond films. Uh, yes, he was. He was. He, he was always a great voice, right? Yeah. Right. He's Scottish. All right. Well. All right. So that wraps it up, Zeke. Uh, get back to your parenting duties. <laughs> you know. And uh, give our regards to the fam. And uh, so this is Tamsin Granger and Dan Abuhoff, and we'll be back again next week. With Tamsin and Dan, read the paper. Thank you, Zeke. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hey.